Thank you so much, Nations Church. It's so amazing to be here. Oh, so much on my heart. I just want to quickly take care of a little bit of housekeeping at the book table. You'll find our book, Jesus Was Not a Christian. You laugh, but you'd be surprised. The emails that I've gotten, what do you mean Jesus wasn't a Christian? <laughs> I was like, hey, don't you realize there was no such thing as Christianity before Jesus was born? Jesus didn't come to start a new religion called Christianity. He came to fulfill everything that was written about him in the law and prophets. Unfortunately, we've lost our compass in the church, and we've forgotten that Jesus was born a Jew, raised a Jew, died a Jew, and is coming back as the lion of the tribe of Jew. Sometimes I go, Jew, duh. We got to get it right. And um, we're blessed, as, uh, as Daniel said, to oversee a ministry called Together for Israel, where we've been privileged to give millions of dollars, literally, to Arab and Jewish believers living in the land of Israel. That's our scriptural mandate. This book, which Daniel actually um, endorsed for us, was such a blessing that he did, um, is available on the tables out back. And also, for anybody that would be interested in joining us in Israel, we're taking a tour November 1st through 10th, and there probably is going to be, ooh, I heard some oohs. And we're also, we're doing the footsteps of Jesus in Israel, and we're also in September, this is our Israel experience, if you know what a QR code is, then you can do whatever you want to do with that. November 1st to 10th, all the information's on our website, uh, and if you are interested, we would love to have you. And in September, um, we actually have to make the final numbers. This week, we're taking a tour to Greece. We're doing the footsteps of Paul. So we're going to Thessaloniki, Philippi, Berea, Athens, Corinth, and Santorini. And you might say, Paul didn't go to Santorini. Well, he missed out. We're going to Santorini. <laughs> That's going to be the last few days. Uh, Bob Gladstone, uh, who was one of the teachers when Daniel and uh, Russ were part of the Brownsville School of Ministry. He's going to be coming with us and teaching. Um, when you came in, you should have received, if there were enough, a bookmark that says, God will be glorified. Anybody have that? Just hold that up, will you? Everybody repeat after me, God will be glorified. This is the topic of my message today, and I believe, I believe that one thing we need to see in the body of Messiah today is for God to be glorified. And some of us don't realize that in order for God to be glorified, we can't. <laughs> There's a lot of self-glorification going on in the earth. But when we come to an end of ourselves and an end of any possibility for us to make it through, then God can be glorified. And when God is glorified, everything changes. Many times we are in the midst of impossible situations, not because the devil put us there, but because the Lord has us there. To see him move, oh, Scott, what are you talking about? Do you know that the disciples were invited by Jesus into a boat that was about to face a storm that could have killed them. Do you know that? Oh, if I'm going in a boat with Jesus, everything's going to be fine. Well, maybe. 
Or maybe he's calling you into a boat to experience that he's the storm calmer. So that you then go from that boat living in a reality that people who never went through that storm could ever testify about. And this morning, I really believe that the Lord has a word for us. The title of the message is God Will Be Glorified. If you've got your Bible, it's open to Exodus chapter 14. God will be glorified. Exodus 14. Father, I just ask you to supplement my words with your spirit. (laughs) Be glorified this morning. You know that's my heart's cry. Lord, for those of us who walked into this place depressed, anxious, at our wit's end, hopeless, feeling like our situations are not changing but only getting worse, I pray, great God, that you would breathe hope into our hearts today. Lord, that the God who saved us is the God who delivers us. In Jesus' name, amen. It's been a long time since I heard some of those songs that Daniel led today. There's healing in your glory. There's freedom in your glory. There's deliverance in your glory. There's joy in your glory. That's my message. So let's stand up and be dismissed. Exodus chapter 14, 400 years plus, Israel has been under the thumb of Pharaoh and Egypt. It was a brutal lifestyle of slavery. Pharaoh told the midwives that if, they're, if the Israelite women are giving birth, if it's a boy, kill them. By the way, there's been a diabolical plot to wipe Israel off the face of the earth ever since God chose them. You know that, right? Pharaoh, Haman, Herod, Hitler. (laughs) Because because the devil knows that deliverance and freedom is coming through a, a Messiah that's coming through the loins or through the womb of a Jewish woman. That's crazy. No wonder Israel's been so hated. Pharaoh hated Israel, they were oppressed. They were being beaten down. Finally, the Lord calls Moses after 400 plus years of Israel in slavery in Egypt. Calls Moses. He said, I want you to go to Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go. You know the story. Ten plagues. One worse than the other, culminating in the death of the firstborn and Passover, which was an amazing display of God's power. And now... He is going to show his glory. And let me just start off by saying this. Everything changes when God is glorified. I'm just reminded of a story in my life. Can I, give you, can I start with a testimony? I didn't do this in the first service. I didn't start this way. But in the, my wife and I got married in 1988. My wife is here today. Beth, would you stand up? We just celebrated our 34th anniversary. I've got my daughter, Olivia, and her friend, Mia, with us today. We've been married for 34 years. I'm blown away by that. (laughs) But our first assignment was in a local church out in in the West. And unfortunately, 
our tenure at that church ended abruptly when we got fired. <laughs> now, um, my dad was the pastor. He didn't fire me. He got fired too. <laughs> it was actually a very, very ugly situation that I can joke about now because I'm so thankful for it. But when we were going through it, it was hell. A split happened. I won't get into the details. But my dad got fired and I got handed a letter from one of the leaders of the board saying, Dear Scott, because of your rebellion and insubordination to the God-given authorities of this church, you have eight hours to be out of your office and, and 30 days to be out of your house. Sincerely. <laughs> Listen to me. I could give you all the details. It's not even important who was right, who was wrong. That all, just, just forget all that. Can I just say that I who am a very loving, relational person. I care about relationships. I loved everybody in that church, but all of a sudden, I found hatred rising in my heart towards the people who did this to us. Because in my mind, you shouldn't be hurt in church. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> Can I just tell you, friends? <laughs> wow. All these guys, I think there were like five elders or five, five board members. I loved them all at one time. Now I wanted to egg their houses. <laughs> I wanted their kids to flunk out of school. I wanted their houses to burden down. Them escape, but just barely. I was a mess. I was a mess. And I was done with church and done with ministry. And I got a phone call from my friend Michael Brown he said, Scott, you got to visit us. Uh, there's stuff going on in, in Pensacola. I said, I said, what? He goes, yeah, they're experiencing revival. This is in 1996. He's about to move, move his family down there to start a, start a school with the church Brownsville. So I visited him in October 96, just a few short months after my butt got booted out of that church. And I'm telling you, I was a mess he told me, when you get to the church, go to the back door, talk to an usher by the name of Bill, tell him you're my friend. I walked in, and in the front row, there was a sign reserved for Scott Volk. You have to understand, people were standing in line from 6 in the morning to get into this building. And why? Because the testimony was God's glory was there. Well, I'm not one of those guys that feel God's glory. I've been in many meetings in my life. And some people who are very susceptible to feelings go, man, do you feel that? And I'm like, no, sorry. Man, do you see that cloud? No, sorry. But one moment in God's glory, friends, can transform you for a lifetime. I showed up, I showed up at this church uh, done, not done with God, but done with the people of God. <laughs> I sat down in my pew. I sensed the power of God in that room. I didn't know anybody. Lendell was leading worship. He became a dear friend. Steve was the evangelist. John Kilpatrick, all those guys, I love them dearly and loved them. Close with all of them. Didn't know any of them. I put my head in my hands. I said, Father, I need a touch from you. 
And for the first time in my life, I had an open vision. And in my vision, I was standing behind the pulpit of the church that booted me out. And I was asking, this is in my vision, I was asking them to forgive me for harboring bitterness and unforgiveness in my heart towards them. Woo! I said, Lord, no way! They should come groveling on their hands and knees to me. They should be repenting to me. They did this to me. And I felt like the Lord said, and I marked it in my Bible, I can't fill you with what you need unless you empty yourself of what you have. And I was full of it. <laughs> I was full of it. Whatever it is, that's what I was full of. And I said, Lord, I can't do this myself. I mean, I've, listen, I forgave them until I heard a report and then I hated them worse than before I forgave them. You ever do that? Oh, yeah, I forgive you. And then tomorrow you hear something and then you realize that you really didn't forgive them and you like them less now than you did before you forgave them. <clears throat> Dr. Brown said, listen, you need, you need prayer. And first, first night I went down for prayer and I don't know how many of you ever attended the Brownsville Revival, but it was crazy. Steve would preach. People would come to the Lord. By the way, I'm so encouraged. All those testimonies of salvation in Orlando and around the world, you guys are you're living in a, a really significant day and age, and you're part of, an, uh, a part of a body of believers that's changing the world. So the first night after Steve spoke, I went up for prayer. Everybody was being prayed for and falling over. Well, as I was being prayed for, I had like a three-point stance. It's like, you can pray for me, but I ain't going down. They had a, they had a catcher behind me wearing a red armband, towel girl on the side, in case I fell over. But what are those things called in bullfights? Matadors? You know, that's kind of what it was like. You go down, then they cover you. Even if you're fully clothed, I still don't get it, but that's okay. You see, I was raised, I, was, I, I have Pentecostal upbringings. I went to a college, and uh, I, I, I told the story in the, in the first service. I, I was sitting in the back, and this minister came and told everybody in our section to stand up. And he said, how many of you want a touch from God? And we were screaming, yeah, I do, I do. So close your eyes, raise your hands. When I say three or when I count down from three, you're going to receive the power of God. And everybody goes, one, two, three. And, and I opened my eyes and I was the only one in the whole section standing. It's like I was invisible to God. Listen, I'm not going to fall over. And that's kind of how I felt when I got prayed for. I, I, I felt as if if you didn't fall, you didn't get touched. I, I remember one story of being at a church in Dallas. This is when I was going to school in Dallas. And the person ministering says, I like to, I like to minister to our visitors first. I was actually there because a friend of mine was singing. She said, so she calls me up. This is at the beginning of the service. What's your name? I said, my name is Scott. Stand up, Scott. I stand up, guy comes behind me to catch me, matador on the other side. And she puts her hand on my head and starts praying while pushing. So I'm like this. <laughs> and she says, son, you're resisting the Holy Spirit. I said, no, 
no, I'm not. You're trying to push me over. So my buddy Brian, who was in the next seat, she was done with me at that point. <laughs> so she goes, okay, sit down, sit down. What's your name, Brian? Brian stands up. She went to pray for him, and before she touched him, boom, on the ground. And I was looking at him like, no way. And he opens one eye, and he's, he's looking around. When he, when he got back in his seat, I said, did you feel anything? He goes, no. I said, well, why did you fall? He goes, well, I didn't want to go through what you went through. Yeah, very smart. So I'm at Brownsville now, and Dr. Brown is saying, listen, you need prayer. I mean, what the Lord showed me, I'm taking a lot of time on this, but I really feel, I mean, I've got, I got to get to Exodus 14. But listen, friends, listen to me. God wants to be glorified in, in the midst of your impossible situations. I had bitterness and unforgiveness and hatred slash murder in my heart. The last night I was there, he says, Scott, listen, you're leaving tomorrow. I want John Kilpatrick to pray for you tonight. I said, okay, bro, whatever. Standing by the side door. And listen, I was so desperate that I felt like I, felt like I was supposed to fall over even if I'm pushed. So that it could never be say I resisted anything. John Kilpatrick comes over. Mike Brown says, Pastor, this is my friend Scott. He's been through a horrific church situation and needs a touch from God. Catcher behind me. <laughs> Towel lady next to me. Closed my eyes, lifted up my hands. And I was like, okay, push me. I'm ready. I don't care. Do whatever you want. He whispered something in my ear, something like, son, the Holy Spirit is all over you. And I could not stand. Uh, according, to, according to Mike Brown, I went face first. <laughs> Dummy me, there were no catchers in front of me. I learned, I learned a lesson. If you fall, go backwards. And I was on the ground, and all I can tell you is this. I wasn't laughing, crying, shaking. But when I went to stand up, this weight felt like an elephant on my back. By the word, the Hebrew, by the way, the Hebrew word for glory is kavod, means weightiness. No wonder people can't stand when the glory of God fills the temple. We cry out for God to be glorified, yet maybe there's some reserve in our hearts because if he's glorified, then he might have to find out some stuff that's in our hearts, which he already knows anyway. I stood up, made my way into the front pew, and tears just start coming down my eyes because all of a sudden, one fell swoop from heaven. All the hatred, bitterness, and unforgiveness was gone. We talk, we talk about God being glorified. I was having a great conversation with Pastor Levi in the back room. Friends, I'm, I'm telling you, God desires to be glorified, but it can only come when we come to an end of our own ability to do something. We can't forgive on our own. We can choose to forgive, but then we have to say, Lord, you've got to do this work. 
God gets glorified when you're in an impossible situation and you come to your wits end. Exodus 14, we only have a few minutes. Oh my gosh. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to turn back. After 400 years, Israel's finally on their way forward. They're they're almost outside of Pharaoh's reach, and then God says, turn back. That's not a nice thing to hear from God. Turn back? Are you kidding? 400 years of slavery? We're marching forward. No, God says, turn back. But why did he say, turn back? Because he was going to put Israel in an utterly impossible situation. Read Exodus 14. It's phenomenal. But let me just, let me read a little of it to you. Verse 3, Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around in the land in confusion, hemmed in in the desert. I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them. And if you've got a Bible, underline it. If If you're reading this on your phone, highlight it. Don't underline it. Listen, verse 4. God speaking, I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh. Look at this. (laughs) I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. Listen, when God desires to be glorified, it's not just for your salvation, but also that the world will know that he's God. What if What if your impossible situation is not just for you, but even for those who hate you? That's how how good God is. When he's glorified, even his enemies see his goodness. Even his enemies bow their knee in worship to the God who is glorified. I will gain glory through Pharaoh. Pharaoh and glory should not be in the same sentence if you're thinking with human eyes. (laughs) Thinking with human eyes. Thinking with human mind. Seeing with human eyes. We get so worked up out of who's in power in nations and countries. Listen, vote, pray for leaders. But sometimes God has leaders who hate him in authority so that he can be glorified. As believers, maybe we should just be rubbing our hands together saying, wait till you see what God's going to do. Verse 5, when the king of Egypt was told that the people fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds. Verse 8, by the way, Pharaoh took all of his chariots. Verse 8, the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites. And the people start freaking out as as Pharaoh approached. Verse 10, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? Listen to what Moses says in verse 13. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and see the salvation and the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you You need only to be still. Oh my gosh, when our enemies are coming, being still is one of the hardest things to do. You got to get your manliness on. I've got people coming against me. I'm going to be a man and I'm going to show these enemies. Listen, don't fight when God says to be still. 
And don't be still when God says to fight. Because he'll say both. That's why we've got to be in relationship with him. Over and over in Exodus chapter 14, God says, I will get glory through Pharaoh. Four or five times. Read the chapter. Time is running out. I don't even have time to go into it. But friends, what if the Lord has brought you? You followed him? He's led you? You're between a sea and an army that can take you down in a split second. I'm not sure any of you are in that desperate a situation, but maybe you are. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Why? Because God desires to be glorified. God desires to be glorified. All the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. You were created to glorify God. Jesus performed his first miracle, wedding, uh, the wine at the wedding in Cana, and was glorified, but it took an impossible situation. They had no wine. Friends, Isaiah 61, one of the most incredible scriptures. It's the one the Lord read when he walked into the synagogue and opened up the scroll. I just want to close with this scripture and then give you an opportunity to respond Isaiah 61, this is out of the NIV. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, Isaiah says, and so did Jesus. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Everybody say poor. I I want you to hear who it is that the Lord is looking for. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, poor, brokenhearted, captives, prisoners. <laughs> That's a pathetic crew if you look in the natural. It's exa- those are candidates for God's glory. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance for our God. To comfort all who mourn. And provide for those who grieve in Zion... To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. You may think your life right now is an ash heap. God desires to take that ash heap and turn it into something beautiful. To give you the oil of gladness instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Listen to this. The punchline is coming. You will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. By the way, New American Standard in King James says that he may be glorified. When God is glorified, it puts his, his splendor on display, friends. And he desires to be glorified in your life. And I came here today. I knew the title of this message when I got the, the invitation to come and speak. But I wasn't sure how the Lord was going to fill it in. But as I walked into the first service, I really believe that many of you are walking through situations that the Lord needs to be glorified in. That some of you are walking through valleys of despair, pits of destruction. Psalm 40, I waited patiently for the Lord. He heard my cry. Took me out of the pit of destruction. And it ends up saying, and he put a new song in my mouth. 
Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. By the way, when God is glorified, as he was in Exodus 14, you can read many, at the end of Exodus 14, it says, many saw and feared and put their trust in the Lord. Perhaps your hardship today is for the salvation of many. When they see God work in your life and he is glorified, would you stand with me? You have a song on your heart, bro? You've got something? I really believe that the Lord is desiring just a response. I don't know what that response is for you. For me, it was lifting up my hands, letting some guy I'd never met before pray for me, and feeling the weight of God's presence. I just want to say this. If you're in this place today, and you need the Lord glorified in your life, you're going through something that you never thought you would be going through, you're experiencing something where it looks like the devil is being glorified. And by the way, that's how it always looks before God is glorified. I just want you to lift your hands. I want to pray for you. Now, you guys that are lifting your hands are, wow. All right. <laughs> Father, you see. You know each situation, Lord, you know our needs before we ask. I pray, great God, that you would look down on this congregation that trusts in God. Lord, they've seen salvations this week by the thousands. But Lord, maybe they feel like they need to be saved. They need salvation. They need deliverance. They need healing. Father, I pray that you do for them what no man could do for them. <laughs> no counselor can do. Lord, thank you for counselors. Thank you that you use counselors. But one moment in your presence, Lord, is all we need. So, Father, be glorified in every situation represented here.